Episode number 67 of the Tartan Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan and myself, Kyle Gregg. So Tom, you look like you're in a cave right now, where, where the hell are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sat in my front lounge, but it's it's really sunny, so I'm sitting with a... I'm sitting in the shady corner of it, so I can actually read the screen, otherwise you'd be hiding in the glare. Just be the 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 glare off that bonce of yours would be blinding me. So. Oh, it, it, don't you don't you take the mick out of my uh, my bonce or whatever the hell you just said to me there? Uh, you you look like you're, you look like something from the Goonies or something. <laughs> <laughs> that face you're screwing up. Uh, yeah, remember the bright. remember the guy? Uh, is it Law? Law from the Goonies? Oh yeah, that guy. The, yeah. That's what you look like right now. But anyway. I, I shouldn't complain, shouldn't complain about the weather. Having the sun in my face is, is always a good thing. So Anyway, how are you getting on? Well, I'm just... Uh, unfortunately, I was, I was a little bit... Um, we're a little bit late in tonight because I was getting carried away. Um, I went for a walk with Logan and, uh, and, and Debbie. Well, in fact, I uh, transported Debbie to the... No, Logan to this wee lay-by that has some, some fresh eggs and there's a, a white... I managed to find a wee, a wee gooseberry bush. On, on one of my travels when Very I was nice. running. I went, I stopped for a wee piss stop and I was, as I was having a wee pee, I was like, oh, there's some gooseberries there. And then just as I thought about it, I was like, hold on, I'm picking these gooseberries and I'm the one who's pissed all over them. <laughs> God knows how many other people have peed on them. But uh, but anyway, these gooseberries, wow. I, I got a whole tub full of wild gooseberries on there. Absolutely delicious. Oh, cool. So uh, I don't know what to do with them. If I should just eat them raw or if I should maybe... Make a gooseberry pie, or what, what would you recommend? Have I you... mean, you could have them. Could you have them in your porridge? That's always a good uh, a good thing for sort of berries and stuff. Or could you make uh, some? Can you make gooseberry jam? Goose... Yeah, I could do it. We've got enough jam. Our, our uncle, he he always gives us jam. So I don't know. We'll Not find sure. some. We'll we'll find a way. And then I've just come back, uh, and then and Debbie's just been uh, changing Logan's nappy. What did he do? He pissed all over himself and Debbie, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the boy just... Uh, he's just I, I think that's the first time he's pissed all over Debbie. He's done that a few times to me, like... But Has he? <laughs> I, I, I don't really learn. I just, uh, you know, you, I think... I don't know what, what the best thing to do, because you don't really know when it's going to happen. I mean, there's there's an element of... Um, suspect. You know, you kind of suspect that the really... This sounds gross, but... The willy starts moving a wee bit, and you think, well, hold on, something, we've got to stop this. So maybe I'll come for something that might work, you know? It's good, so it's, it's, been, it's good training for him for the last 10k of a marathon when he, when he needs to be ready just to let it go, you know? And, exactly. And, and, and yeah, re- release it. Exactly. So he's, uh, but you know what, if he gets, get get out of the system just now so he doesn't do it later on in life, as as uh, as as you, you you quite rightly said that before we started the show, eh? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can. Sh- yeah, well, as I, yeah, my, I wasn't going to share it, but the, yeah, when I, when Kyle and Debbie told me that was happening, I said it's he's taking after his old man who I saw do that in a stag do. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. Oh god, that was in the air. Fuck you, Lauren. Eh? You only have one. You only yeah. have one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The stag does the, the, the occasions to flush all that sort of behaviour out. That's the, the tipping point. I don't think that's the worst of what happened. It wasn't the worst of, of what happened in your stag do, which is why I feel I can say it. The, the rest is not safe for it. No, not at all. Activities involving a Land Rover. <laughs> and an exhaust pack. Dear, oh, dear, what a start to the show. Jesus, pissing sorry, pissing yourself and all sorts. Really haven't started this uh, this podcast on in a good note. 
But uh, on on lighter notes, we uh, we have some some light events that we're going to cover tonight. Uh, to, we're going to chat about some results, and uh, there's been quite a few results in the calendar, and there have we, been. Might, we might potentially have an interview for you. Yes, we might. Recorded, but we will uh, we will no doubt uh, we'll we'll insert that part in if, if if it comes to fruition this it'll week be, it'll be this week or next but after after the abuse we took at ben rennes for d- deploying or releasing the podcast late we need oh. to we can't afford to wait till friday or saturday <laughs> again so we'll see if we can get that in this week but yeah we've got loads of race results this Sign, week signs are right weren't they jeez oh i know people Nothing people get into a schedule Oh, always, yeah, exactly. It always cracks me up when someone will say to you, oh, I like to listen to it on a Thursday because I'm usually out and about in the car on a Thursday. Or, you know, people. funny how people have got their routine of when they like if to listen I've, to it. I've lost you there. You're back again. I'm uh, back. I, 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 missed, I missed that, but I'm sure, uh, I'm, sure I'll listen, I'm, I'm sure I'll listen to what you just said. And... Anyway, we've yeah, got... Yeah, well, it is, it, you're right, though, isn't it? It's like... Uh, you know, on Thursday, Friday morning, you see all these, like, the lack of uh, activity on the TRS Strava Club. There's nothing. You know, I know. just sad faces, like, brutal conditions, because they're brutal. It's crazy. It is. So, yeah. But we've got, anyway. yeah. Anyway, we've got plenty of race results uh, to catch up on that sort of thing this week. with, um, And it seems to be, it's main, a large part of it is a, obviously a hill running season, Highland Games season. So we've got... So we've got help. We've got Highland Games result every week. It seems at the minute. Anyway, so Kyle, tell us how's your training been this last week? Training, training wise. Oof, now you're talking. Uh, it's been pretty good actually. I've I've had a decent week, I must say. Um, I'm just loading up my Strava because you y- you never know. I'm, I'm back <laughs> on Strava. <laughs> I know. Unbelievable. It's, uh, it's crazy, yeah, I can't yeah, believe it's, what I uh, see my, in front of my eyes. Aye, so so it's been. I think last week I had another decent week of of mileage and in vault. I wouldn't say my, mileage, yes, because I I, I reached that uh, elusive three figure sum of of a hundred miles. Oh, I see that hundred point five. What I'm gonna what I'm gonna say right is I I went into Sunday about eighty. I thought right, I have to do nineteen miles to get to hundred miles. Now me. Chatting about being cool of not getting to to 100 the the week or the the two weeks before that, I was like, right, I'll just get to 99. So I'll do uh, I'll do my 19 mile, or I'll do my 18 miles, and uh, and that that'll be it. So uh, so anyway, I did 18 miles, and I get to the I, I load my Strava up, uh, upload it in, onto my Strava my my run, and then I realised it was 82. Point, Three miles or something, so I ended up doing a hundred miles. So oh I was, yes, I was I was gutted. I was gutted to to do a hundred. I wanted to do ninety nine, <laughs> just to be to be a cool trail runner, you know. Yeah, uh, not caring know, about trail, it. Trail runners are cooler than road runners, of course. So 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 I hear. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so a, a good a good week for me. I think uh, I can't remember eighteen seventeen thousand meters uh, feet, right? Not meters, unfortunately. Of uh, of vertical and in terms of duration, I'm not actually sure how much duration I, I got. So I, I think it was like 13, 14, 15, 14 to fifteen hours of, of running mm-hmm. for the week. So I'm pretty happy with that. I've started incorporating some uh, start now that I'm back at work. So last week was uh, the first proper week that I was back at work. Um, so yeah, just trying to fit everything in. And, and I mean, it's we're, we're we're sitting down at TRS at the moment, and it's the fifth of August, which means Three and a half weeks to go, Tom. I know, crazy, mate. That's crazy. It's almost so, coming. 
I know. So, so I'm, so I'm pretty happy with how things are going. I'm pretty happy. I'm getting. So, in terms of you know the breakdown, I've started going in the step machine just to get a bit more climbing, a bit more strength in my legs. Um, started just doing a little bit more mobility work. So I'm just finding my hips just need a bit more loosened off. And, okay. Uh, so I'm really having to work, especially my left hip. I think I've told you all about that. It's still giving me a little bit of issues, and um, but I'm just trying to manage it as much as I can. Uh, and then, you know, in, in addition to all that, I'm obviously getting the, the, the volume. In terms of speed work, I'm not doing a huge amount of, you know, speed work. It's, it's more just getting lots of running in at the moment, um, lots of hills. The, the kind of, I suppose I am doing an element of, of high intensity work or, or threshold work and just doing sort of longer hill reps and, and running pretty hard down. So mm-hmm. I've been doing a few of that. Um, and then, yeah, last week I did three kind of 20-ish miles of, of running just in, you know, at various times in the in the day. Uh, I went for a wee, a wee night run on Thursday night. Yeah, I see that. my head torch out. And How was that? It was a bit scary, you know, running in the dark when you're listening to true crime podcasts. <laughs> it's bloody scary stuff, you know, you, all these murders in the bushes and stuff. It's uh, bloody hell, you know. Any of you guys or girls who've, you know, get get yourself out for a wee, uh, scare the shit out of yourself by listening to a true crime podcaster. I, I can't remember, it's it's called Crime Locker or something I listen to. Okay. Um, true crime, some shit, something like that. But some of the stories, like, God almighty. Uh, you know, and, and the thing is, when you're running at night, folks, the the things you see, you don't see it in, in, during the day. You know, like, like what? I mean, there's all these eyes staring at you in the woods, and like deer. You don't, well, it could be deer. It could be a, uh, I don't know. It could be a law from the Goonies. It could be you, Tom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like it's rabbits, uh, badgers, owls, buzzards. You name it, you'll you'll see it all at night time. You know, wow. it's amazing what you you see at night compared to. It's almost like the, the animals don't really care as much at night time compared to the day. They're not as scared. They're just, you know, you're you're at one. You know, it's yeah. like you're at one with nature when it when you go out for a, a night run. Um, so so that's that was my my week really, Tom. Uh, what's then, this? What's this treadmill tens treadmill one thousand you did? I basically went on the the treadmill and just kind of hike walked up the hill. Ah, right, so hills. like a step, a step machine type thing? No, no, just on the treadmill. Just uh, put up uh, incline 15% and oh, just, wow. went up, just went up there, uh, just kept going. Oh, good. Oh, shit, yeah. that's pretty cool. And the good thing about doing a session like that is, I mean, you know, that, I think we, I mentioned it to, I mentioned, I spoke, obviously, Jacob, you know, he's out in Chamonix and, and you know, he's getting that, you know, there's big climbs up there and we don't get those yeah. hills in, in the Shire and in Scotland, in Scotland unless you go to like Ben Nevis. The issue you've got is you have to go, to, to go up, you've got to go down. Whereas if you really want to just train specifically for uphill only strength, mm-hmm. uh, endurance, then you can, you can go in the treadmill and you can avoid just battering your, 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 your quads. So, mm. I mean, okay, there's an element of that at the UTMB. You know, you're going up, then you're going down. But, you know, when it comes to doing sessions, sometimes your, your, the goal-specific session is, is to improve on uphill only. And then yeah. that was one of the sessions. And then another session I was doing was uh, going up up uh, Tups Hill and then running back down and doing that like three or four or five times or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just replicating uh, going up and down and up and down and really getting my legs used to 
um, you know, changing, changing kind of um, modes of running, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I'm really happy how the week's gone. Um, I just, I'm, I'm just finding it's, it, you know, running a hundred miles per week. It's not just a normal hundred miles on flattish trails. It's, 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 it's an, a good element of, of vertical, which is yeah. pretty challenging to get in. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, my, my benchmark isn't to get a hundred mile a week. It was, it was just. It, it, ironic, not ironic. Yeah, just a coincidence that it came out. Yeah, naturally come to 100 miles. Um, so this week, this week's uh, another exciting week in terms. This is probably so we're going into we're week number three. So I'm going to have a top heavy week. This the start of this week's just going to be nice and easy recovery. I did six miles, six and a half miles easy with uh, Eddie McCluskey this morning, this afternoon at lunch for a wee lunch run. Very nice. Very easy until kind of Wednesday. I'll do a mini session, and then on Saturday and Sunday I'm going to do a 40 mile uh, run. But the 40 mile run will probably be about eight hours of of running just in the hills, and then on on Sunday it's going to be another easy 20. Well, and a kind of easyish. Mile week, and then ease off a little bit. The following week, and uh, and we're all ready. To... Oh, you're there. Yeah, you're back. So you cut out there. So you and you said you're ready to, ready to rock and roll. Ready to rock and roll. Good. Yeah, I've been really impressed, mate. The last your last week, I think, is stellar. I mean, that's you know fourteen thousand feet, hundred miles. That's really good. And three twenty milers. That's uh, that's that's uh, preparing you what you what you need to do. I can't let Tommy down when it comes to the ETMB <laughs> now. God, there's a, there's a lot of pressure. In this. It's, uh, it's not just me going myself. It's uh, there's there's a lot of people counting on me uh, to make sure. You know, I'm, I'm I, I think I mean we're going to chat about. And I know we've got this in the notes, but you know, I'm, I'm, Tommy's not even getting a word in today about uh, his training. But uh, I was telling you all about my goals for the. I think it was God. It must have been a couple of episodes, a few episodes ago now, and. I said, right, I'll aim for top 20. Now, I'm not I'm not going to say I'm not going to get top 20. Um, I don't, I, I really don't know what place I'm going to come. I've got no idea. I mean, it's it's so difficult to compare something like that to, because I, I, I've never done 100 miles. I've never, you know, I've, I've, I don't really know what my body's going to be capable of for the good or for the, for the, for the bad. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really, you know, I started really thinking about what are my goals when it comes to UTMB. Now, why am I, why am I trying to have a goal that's uh, going to be against other people, and why am I going to have a goal that's I can't control? It's an uncontrollable goal in a way. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna this sort of thing that you would call process goals. So the goals for me really is to when I go into you know the goals have started before the actual race itself. The goals are goal specific training goal specific sessions like they are my goals because i can control those those training sessions i can control what i do every day like i can control what i'm eating i can control when i'm sleeping as much as i can with logan you know but hmm. um and then i also can control on the on the day of the race what can i control when it comes to the utmb and, and when i start like so i can control so much um and they they, they themselves become goals um yeah so for example, when I start, 
I need, you know, the, the most important goal for me at the moment is to get in that, to get to that start line, fresh, really. Yeah. You know, that's that is the A goal because there's no point doing all this and forgetting that the goal. If you just have a goal that says, right, I'm going to be top twenty, and that's it, like that doesn't really tell you much, does it? You know, I mean, you can have, yeah. I suppose, you can have outcomes, and um, you know, a, a, there's got to be a process to get to how to achieve that goal, but. I really have. I've been in positions, and we all have, haven't we? Mm-hmm. When it comes to like getting to a race, and you know, look at you for at Boston, you had to change your goals, and you had to like almost think of how am I going to get to Boston as fit as I can. Like it's not about and you, 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 what happens when you're in the run up is you don't know what you're going to be, you don't know how fast you're going to go, and and you kind of uh, demonstrated that. So, uh, so yeah, I've been having a good think about on the day, like, so on the day of the race, what am I going to be like when I start the race? How fast am I going to go? And so I've been looking, starting to study, like, the elevation profile and, um, you know, what altitude we're going to be at, like, how, uh, what the, what's the trails going to be like for the first 10 miles? Is it going to mm-hmm. be, is it going to be wide open dirt tracks? Is it going to be uh, narrow trails? Am I going to have to run hard to get a good position or am I going to have to, can I afford to take it really, really easy and then just work my way through the field? Um, what kind of nutrition am I going to be having, uh, you know, in the run-up to the race? You know, how much sleep am I going to be having? When am I going to sleep as well? Because uh, the race starts at 6.30. Um, you know, what what equipment am I going to carry with me as well? And uh, so there's so much to think about. And they themselves become uh, processes and, and part of the goal. And, uh, you know, do I want to start off at, like, uh, how, how hard what should my perceived effort be like for the first 5-10 miles of the race mm-hmm. those sort of things are, are kind of things I have to work towards you know there's no point in me going right I just want to get top 20 because it doesn't really tell me anything so so in terms of so why do you want why are you running the UTMB good question I don't know <laughs> it's, a, it's a bucket list I think it's a bucket list it's like it's something that's um, that's really just like a pinnacle ultra trail race, uh, and like you see the, the you see the footage and it just looks absolutely amazing. And and I think as well like how you know 24 hours of you know it could be more than that, it could be less. I don't know. Like imagine running through the night in the, what some of the world's be- most beautiful place uh, places, it's just like around Mont Blanc and uh, the atmosphere, the crowds, the the fact that the actual, you know, the runners, it's the best runners in the world. There's like so much um, in the challenge of it. Like, you know, it's not, not an easy course. It's, it's pretty hard. So I think all those things just make me want to, to see, just really push me out of my comfort zone. So I guess on that, so on that basis then, a really important thing here is that you finish. I know that sounds a ridiculous thing yeah. to say, but this is a big event and not, let's be honest, a lot of people won't finish. So oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. absolutely critical that you finish it yeah even if i am crawling at the end uh you know and, and tommy's having to pull me up like the <laughs> no that's that's okay i don't mind that that's fine. but on the <laughs> that o- might be a bit pissed off <laughs> yeah. wasted his his weekend coming to support this this old frail man who's yeah. just absolutely pissed that away so uh, on, on yeah, the on, on the other hand though i guess you i think i like what you're saying about the controllables and it's it's what you do between now and then and what you do at the start in the first part is really what's going to dictate that you prove that you can finish because if you go in with the right training 
and you go in with the right race plan and you you don't cock it up at the start, you're going to finish without a doubt. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the, and the result will take care of itself, as you said. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I'm starting to realize quite quickly, right, is when you go out for big hill runs, and, you, and maybe this is because I'm not, I haven't got the speed that is a, maybe what I, that I used to have, but I mean, I went for a big run, and maybe this is a cumulative fatigue by the end of the week. So it was a, you know, it was a big, big week I had last week. So I did a run up Mount Keen, which is a Monroe from Guantana, and I'm, I'm going. Nice. And, and it was, and, but when I got to the actual hill, and I was like, bloody hell, this is a big climb, you know? And, and I didn't feel fresh at all, and I thought, this is what it's going to be like. And this is this could be what it's like at mile forty. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and I'm just and, and it kind of gave me the fear, like and maybe it might hopefully it might feel what it's like at mile sixty. I don't know, but you know, you, you, and it's there's a lot of it which is going to be hugely physical. But yeah. Really, ninety percent is just going to be in your head, like just getting to that to that start line or to that to that finish line. But but then what I've also got to remember is everyone else. There's no one in in. There's probably very little, unless you're Killian Journey uh, and the guy Xavier Sevenard, who's, who's won it a few times. They're the, probably the only ones who find this quite easy. Not easy, but a, maybe a challenge, but they can they can glide and they can, they can kind of flow through the mountains. Um, whereas everyone else in, in, in the field, they're going to struggle. They're going to be exactly in the same place I am. Um, so that gives me a bit of reassurance too. Now, I, you know, I'm happy enough to tell folk what my tactics are, but I, I expect to be running, you know, I expect to be well down the field when I start, and I, and I expect to start pipping people off, because I think, you know, traditionally a lot of Europeans tend to just go off far too hard, and a lot of the top guys tend to go far too hard, and they break down. I mean, if the last year, um, a lot of top guys ended up just DNFing, just because of the the conditions and maybe going off pushing it a bit too hard and things so um so it's going to be really difficult to gauge what level of effort to go at the start and i think the the, the run i'm going to do this weekend is hopefully going to determine where and how i how i start the the utmb i think and what i meant and mentally i guess one thing i you know on a very different scale you know i do this on marathons a lot of people do it in in races Breaking the course up, so you're you're not just going to head out and say right, I'm going to run from Chamonix all the way around Mont Blanc back to Chamonix. You're going to have a a breakdown of right the first section of the race is let's say I mean I'm if you know by the time you get to Saint Gervais, you're at 21 kilometers and you've already got a small hill out of the way, or are you going to say are you working to halfway at Courmayeur or are you working towards say Le Chapeau which is or Le Chapeau which is the what 50k and is got the first of the big climbs out of the way. Have you started thinking about that yet? Tommy's done his research, eh? <laughs> <laughs> he knows it. He knows the course profile better than I do. There's a, there, I found a fantastic... Because uh, I was looking this at is, it. Uh, this is verbatim, you're saying. There's, there's nothing uh, in front of your screen. That's, uh... Yeah. This exactly. This is this is from memory. I've got it. I've actually got it tattooed on me now. Just uh, the, oh, the course profile. Yeah, we we transfer. Oh, I think. I, I mean, because I, I, I've, well, I start looking at it because I'm trying to look at how I'm going to get a bus around this course to support you, and it becomes quite. There's a. There's, for example, between 83 and 95 kilometers, there's, it looks to be a really nice long ridge run. You know, which is flat yeah. at height at, at elevation, but you're at about 2,000 meters and you're running without much climb. Then you've got to climb 
and up to the Groncol ferry, and then you come, then you've got a long descent down to 120k. So for me, there's a couple, there's a few key ways you can break up this race. And Sorry, you, before you start, do you know how I'm going to break up the race, Tom? How often you? Wherever you are, that'll, <laughs> that'll be the break. Excellent. <laughs> Every time I see Tommy, that's that is how I'm going to break it down. You know. So get I my, uh, get my pep talk from Tom. And then off I go, happy as Larry, bouncing up and down the course, and then and then I'll I'll get a little bit tired. I'm no Tommy's coming coming soon, and then uh, and then I'll be back in the game again. So actually, the checkpoints are pretty much the the checkpoints with I think the ones I'm going to be at the the check from what I can see look to be pretty much how you break it up anyway. There's one at the one one at uh, Kumaye at what's that 78 call it 80 kilometers. That'll be you know you're you've broken the you're at half essentially halfway there so that'll be quite a good one and then we've got another one champagne lac which is uh at 123 kilometers so there's yeah, yeah it's it's cool i'm gonna have to restart we get french lessons at work i'm gonna have to kick back into this just to I know, so i can handle gonna, myself gonna... on the mountain <laughs> <laughs> well that's it you mean you're gonna be in what france italy switzerland yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it looks i mean i'm you know obviously looking at the, the course profile as well and uh, it just looks I, I'm not going to say brutal it just looks it's bonkers mental. it looks meant like, it's like, just crazy and also like the first um, the first 8 kilometers, 10 you know like maybe 8 yeah 8 kilometers I think it's, that's all flat like it's a slightly downhill yeah, tempo that's a tempo section that's, I know but that's that's uh, where everyone gets yeah I get, oh, absolutely yeah oh god like so, so I'm going to have to like you know wait do you and that's probably what we'll do when we get out there, Tom, is to to wreck it the first sort of twenty k. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, so, mate. Yeah, I'm really up for that. Yeah, just see like see how that feels. You know, is there any any bottlenecks where I'm gonna have to like run a little bit hard to ensure that I'm not queuing queuing in line to get over a bloody you know a gate or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, um, but uh, but yeah, it's a lot a lot of uh, summits. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine summits, ten summits. That's it's, uh, mental. Absolutely, it's going to be. It's incredible. I'm looking at I, the last sort of t- ten, twenty kilometers. I've run part of some of the the trails around there when we were out a couple of years ago. And the good thing is, it's, it'll be a really. If you've got any legs, it'll be coming that descending in the last bit. I think actually will be more likely that you'll be absolutely broken. The last, <laughs> the last twenty kilometers from the top yeah. of Tete au Vent, you're just at Le, just before La Flegere, you're coming down. That will be with on tired legs. I imagine that'll be tough. Oh yeah. Have you done that bit before? Yeah, we we ran yeah. we because we well we got the bus. You can get we got the bus from Chamonix out up to uh, La Flegere and did some running not down the road, but we came along the there's a, the Grand Balcon du Nord or something which overlooks the valley and you can get the chair down at the at Chamonix. So really, it's uh I'm really excited for you. It's uh, you I mean. You're, I think the fact that you know that you're going to have to hold it back at the start is, you know, is that's the key, isn't it? Oh, no. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I get, I, I think this is a good, and maybe every, every runner who's doing the UTMB will understand this, but imagine getting to, like, Champé-Lac, I think you pronounce it. Not even mm-hmm. Champé-Lac, like, you know, before that, like, Cormier. Yeah. And, and, you're, and you're gone. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be brutal, wouldn't it? That oh, would actually yeah. be brutal, like. Your 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 yeah. legs have gone. You can't even run up hills. When you get to the flat, you can't even run. Like Jesus. 
Yeah, you. Oh, I, I just, I, I, it's almost like I, I, I kind of almost, you know, I, and I know this, the, 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 the world's way. Like, I don't care what anyone say. Like, that is the best. That's one of the, my best uh, career highlights. Is, is oh yeah, so badly that that world's way. I think if, yeah. had you, if you didn't have that experience, you, there's a there would be a high risk here that you go out that you suddenly get the bit between your teeth in the first eight k and try and race someone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, the first eight k, I'm a road runner. You know, I'll uh, I'll smash you guys with the top top five or whatever. But like, uh, you know, and I, I know like also it wasn't it's not the best example because I didn't really you know I was I was under trained for that. But equally, you know, you it, it almost it, I it, I think it, it hit home that you can't underestimate these distances. Like for a five k and a ten k, people. You can any you know I'm not going to say anyone can do a five or ten k but you really can I mean but you, anyone you can, can do a five k and k yeah agreed yeah but you can't do a hundred mile no ultra because like the, the pace that you're running in the last twenty thirty k is you, you I mean your average pace the winners of these races is like average pace is eleven twelve minute miles it's, it's crazy it's, a lot of it's a walk. Now talking about walking, so obviously you know I, I I've been doing a lot of poles, you know help help doing some pole stuff, you know. Uh, so one of my put my springs broke in my poles, didn't it? Springs, you got springs uh, in your yeah, poles? Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's like a wee spring to like hook it into place. So I'm, I've only ah. got one pole at the moment, but to be honest, it's, it's better it broke it broke it breaks now than yeah. it breaks in the day, on the day. So I'm 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 getting that sorted at the moment. So hopefully uh, it gets fixed asap. So um, that that's a that's an interesting point on replacement stuff. So one thing I've been reading a little bit about, but we need to sit down offline on the podcast and actually work out what am I going to carry for you? Because I get okay, b- nutrition basic. You know, we'll work out how much. It's not basic. I'm not belittling it, but we'll work out how much you're going to consume and how much you need to have and blah blah blah. But in terms of spare shoes, change of socks, change of top. I mean that sort of stuff. I, I guess needs to be ready in case you know. Imagine for whatever reason you you break a pole. I know. Well, that was. Can it. I like, carry? Just... I, I mean, am I allowed to carry and give you a spare set? I think I should. So. I, I should. I should, pro- I should probably check that. But yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. the type of thing. Imagine if that happened in the race early. Oh, yeah. You'd want to know that you've got the opportunity to get another one. Well, I would have to wear my get get a sallow a sallow stick. <laughs> a sallow the... sallow oak. <laughs> sallow. <laughs> From the tree, from the, the forest, and and come my ear, wherever the hell I am at that point. Jesus. Um. Do you know what though? I've started packing my stuff already. Cool. Uh. Yeah. I've I've looked at the the essential kit. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of stuff you need to carry. Really. Uh, on the day. Yeah. But I'll I'll share that with you anyway. Yeah. Make sure. But you're right. I mean, yeah. You're bang on. Like, I'll I'll definitely be. I mean, some of the the runners do tend to you know, they, they change their shoes maybe halfway through and. Just for a bit more comfort than, than mm, anything and socks okay. and uh, but I think it just depends on you know where I am how how I'm feeling and uh, and if I if I'm if I'm you know happy enough in the shoes I'm wearing then I'll crack on but uh, but I did order my 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 shoes from uh, Salmon the it's the S Lab Ultras I think of course I think that's what they're called uh, S Lab Ultra Twos or something like that um, and they're the ones that. The, the your man Francois Francois Duany, who the the winner of the ETMB, he wore those. Okay. So if it, if it works for him, then it should work for me, hopefully. Eh? Quite right. Yeah, that's cool. That's a that that's a good omen. You know, just thinking about kit, and this is what I I know that 
I probably say this on every show. Show we should do this, but we are. This is not a shoot. This is we are going to. I need to get a T-shirt with tartan running shorts, Team Greg on the back back of it, <laughs> yes. like for walking around. I'm, you know, this is a this is, I'm an official support team. I I want to look the part here. Oh, so yeah, so right. we need to get some salmon. I need to buy a salmon T-shirt and get that printed on the back in time. Oh, I love it! Don't you buy it? I've got, I've got some, I've got a few things. I'm, I've got you as your, as your, <laughs> the main man. All right, so don't, don't you worry. And it's not a pair of uh, tartan, tartan running shorts that you have to wear with a, a, a funny gusset on it. So don't you worry. Yeah, gads. Yeah, that's not gonna, that's gonna happen. But all right, well, we've got. So you say it's on three weeks' time. Three, well, yeah, three and a half weeks. So it's the fifth of August. So the race starts on the thirtieth of, of Friday, the thirtieth of uh, August at six. 30 p.m. and uh, yeah, into the night. So one of the things I'm needing to get now, this is a plea for the listeners here, is I haven't got a a, a head torch yet. But I, I mean, I've got a head torch, but I don't have a really really bright one yet. Um, so if anyone either a has a really good one that they would recommend, or b would like or can can lend me it, because I'm not sure I want to do another UTMB race after this. Uh, then, then that would be much appreciated. Biff, uh, what's that? I've got a Petzl now. Now, and and how how much how many lumens lumens are they? Oof. Is that one? Do you know? Let me check. It was it was quite a lot because I bought uh long and short of it is they I got a, I bought the wrong one online. They sent me a a better one which is quite oh, did uh, they? which For is free? quite sweet. Seven hundred lumens. Seven hundred. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. That's. But you do you not need one though. You you need to see where uh, I am. Yeah, but I, I guess it's not as important for me to have one. What's it called? Petzl. What? Pet Petzl Neo now N A O. N A O. N A O. It's one of those. Uh, it's blurred. You probably can't see that. Oh yeah, yeah. And and this is this is really sad. What's the weight of it? Is it is it light? I mean, beggars can't be choosers here, you know. But the weight is one hundred and eighty-five grams. That's not too bad, I think. That's all right, isn't it? Listeners, let us know your uh, your recommended head torches and there's a if this one is is worthy or if I'm sure there'll be a kind listener who may have the perfect one kicking about. Uh, yeah, that, that's it. And uh, any any uh, head torch companies who who want uh, want want either myself or Tom to do a review of it. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> review of it. Yeah. Well, where it'll be plastered over TRS during the oh, yeah, UTMB. It, it will be exactly. Uh, Tom, Tommy will have uh, pets all over his salmon top. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. Oh, so, so I think uh, I think we should I think we need to every week from now until the UTMB we need to have a, a continue this long discussion. So um, and maybe uh, we're not not maybe we will. I'm not sure. We need to line up our calendars and spend a good afternoon catching up on some of this stuff. Oh I, yeah, absolutely. No, I think uh, like I mean I I must say you know to to close my my training statement off listeners i'm gutted we've had a technical glitch this week you're gonna have to wait until next week to find out that cliffhanger that is kyle's closing statement on his training unfortunately we've had a technical problem we can't fix it we've lost 45 minutes of gold you know it's called it's absolute gold this stuff all the results from last week you know we've got the danoon half good win for there for lewis miller we've got a bunch of track stuff Anyway, all that racing results and a bit of a rant we're going to recap on next week rather than record this week. But don't fret. In terms of content, we've got a brilliant interview with you for you. We're delighted that Sean Fontana has joined us on the podcast this week. So uh, Sean is one of our favourite guys in the circuit. Such a top bloke. Great Instagrammer. Look him up. And here he is. I hope you enjoy the interview.
Welcome to TRS, Sean Fontana. Uh, we're delighted to have you on. How are you doing, Sean? Yeah, great, thanks. It's good to, it's good to be on. Excellent, excellent. I mean, we're, so Sean Fontana, for listeners who don't know, we've seen recently we've talked about Sean on the show with a, a really impressive win at the Highgate Night, the 10k PBs. Recently uh, selected for the Scottish Marathon Project, so congrats for that, Sean. Um, I mean, for listeners who are new to, to you, tell us about who you are and your, your background in athletics. So, I go back about, I think my first race was when I was about 16 years old, and before that, uh, I used to be overweight, so I started running to lose weight, and I got the bug, you know, after you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, I just thought, I actually really, I really enjoy like, pushing my body and seeing you know, the results every single week, you know, the, the harder I was working, the better I was getting. And from there, ended my first race um, as a 3K road race at Glasgow Green. And I then moved from there to the Glasgow School of Sport. And I, I focused on athletics there for the next three years. And that's where, you know, each year I was slowly getting better. And yeah, it's took me, to the, it's took me all the way through to senior. Now I'm 28, so I've been doing it for what, 12 years. So. And it doesn't even feel like that, to be honest. Every every year seems as if it's flying in and you don't have enough time. I can't believe that you were overweight. I mean, you lead with that. And the number of... When I see your Instagram and I see you at races, you're such a top athlete now and, and uh, such a fitness guy. That's uh, that's quite hard to believe, mate. Yeah, so that, that was like the, the first motivation for me. Um, and I think, I think that's... With the personal training, I try and get people to have... Even if it's a, a small goal and not not very deep, but maybe like superficial mm-hmm. to start, and is is something as I just want to lose weight and look good, mm-hmm. and and it's like the spark that allows the sort of flame to start burning, and then the deeper questions come in, you know, the deeper motives to why you're doing something. That's where the logs help the fire keep burning. <laughs> Um, but I feel like you need that spark from somewhere. Um, for for people, it might be to be back in that you know 16, 15, 16 years old. It would be maybe just to be the most popular kid in school. You know, just to be the mm-hmm. fastest guy in the year or whatever it is. And right. from there, that small goal helps them fall in love with the thing that they're doing, and it actually creates you know I want to be the best in my city. I want to be the best in my district. I want to be the best in my country. And I want to go down to the, you know, the British Championships, and I want to compete with the best in the UK. And I think that um, some people might have different, you know, ways of setting goals and things. But for me, it was literally first one was lose weight. And you know, after about six months, I went from being severely overweight to, you know, sort of getting get myself back in track, being healthy. You know, one one few local races at my school, and I, you know, I became I became popular instead of getting bullied for being overweight. So yeah, running was a way out for me to sort of get, stop getting bullied, and you know, basically, you know, now it's it's helped shape everything that I've got to this day. That's a that's a that's a, a fantastic way to frame a real inspirational story. I mean, you looking, I look back, and I've I've obviously been looking up your. Your sort of your background, and you did a lot. Looks like you did a lot of fifteen hundred meters. You started out at the sort of uh, eight and fifteen when you were younger. Yeah, yeah. 
I can just imagine you giving it the the praise to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. All the all his classic Amen. quotes, you know. What is it? Yeah, that one he says yeah. he says he says something about um, 
if you're going to beat me or someone's going to beat me, they're going to have to bleed or something like that. There's a, yeah, he's got a couple of quotes. Fantastic. So at what stage then, so at what stage was that that you, age-wise, you mentioned you started lining up longer distances? And, and also, I guess it's quite, I thought, I thought that's really, it's a great demonstration of, of hunger and ambition that, do you know what, you're a top district athlete. So looking at your power 10, you're, you're competing at Scottish and district level, but I love that hunger that, do you know what, how do I go to a national medal level? I mean, when, when was that realisation, what sort of age was that at? So that, I actually, I didn't believe at, at one point in my running career, I actually didn't believe I could ever win gold at the national championships because I used to look at Chris Mackay, Derek Hawkins, Matthew Gillespie and Craig Ruddy and they all used to run what, what I thought back at the time when I used to watch them in the stands at Scotston. I can remember going... How I don't think I'm better than one. How am I ever going to beat those guys? Um, it, I was. It was almost like the insecurity drove me to train like a beast. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never thought I've been better than anybody. So I was just, I, I just look at sometimes watch races and just be thinking, how. Those guys are amazing. Like I'm, I'm not even anywhere near those guys, and these guys are just going to keep getting better and better. I'm never going to catch up to them. And a turning point was the, the 2012 Olympic Games. It was before that I raced uh, Ross Murray at a 3K down in the like the, the sort of youth, the, the junior uh, British League matches where I was with the team Glasgow. And I remember racing him at Gateshead and he was kitted out in all the Nike kit because he was he was sponsored at the time. And I raced him, he won the race, and I was just like, wow, this this guy's amazing. Like he's got all the Nike kit, he you know, like, speed, you know, was unbelievable. And then a few a few a few years later, I see him on the TV at the twenty twelve Olympic Games. And I'm like, That's like I, I raced against that guy. That's true. So what I'd done was I googled at Ross Murray's coach and it was Craig Winrow. Okay. And I sent him about three emails because he never got back to me after the first <laughs> two because he must have checked my powder pen and thought, oof, rotten. <laughs> and this was me being, like, I think I was like 19 or 20, 19 years old at the time as well. So he's thinking, I'm not coaching this guy. So I emailed him again for the third time and he, he I sent him my, my phone number and he, he phoned me. I was at, I was on my break at lunch one time um, when I was uh, up in Scotland starting my personal training. And I remember the, the sort of random number phoning me and it was Craig Wendell. He was like, look, it doesn't look like you'd be able to keep up with the guys in our group that are a little bit ahead of you. And I said, just give me a chance, you know, give me a trial. I'll book train tickets down and I'll come down and I'll train with a group because I know that I train way better than a race, especially back then. And it was actually Ross Murray that helped fuel me to go, do you know what? I'm going to go to the source of where the success is and see if I can thrive there. And from there, it just opened up this whole avenue of being down in London, Teddington. Mm-hmm. I've just been around all these great athletes, uh, Charlie Grice, 
Andy Vernon, Chris Thompson, Scott Overall. It was it was unbelievable. And I think being around them and then actually keeping up with them in training started to make me believe that maybe, maybe if I can transfer my training into racing, that one day I could I could be good enough. And that was where I actually found the belief by doing instead of actually having it to start with. Okay. So that was where the when you're asking, you know, when did I think I would start being a national level athlete? It was probably around 20, 20 to twenty one years old. I started to believe that I'm actually good enough to compete with the, the best guys in Scotland. That's that's uh, that's incredible. I mean, I think the clearly yeah, that hunger, having that hunger to start with, you've had to work for it, you've had to train for it. That's that's that again you know it's like you're starting to athletics that's inspirational and and how long did you yeah. spend how long did you spend in london with that what is a top quality group uh around two years i i, I trained with them for two years and that took me to me running 29 16 and finishing i think it was six overall at the uk 10k Oof, championships wow. down in highgate um around 29 16 and that got me a scholarship to America. Okay, cool. And that was my, my dream was ever since I saw the Prefontaine video, I I wanted to go over to the States when I heard about Chris O'Hare going over to Tulsa. I just, I wanted to move over to America. I, my, my next dream was to go over and run in the NCAA system. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I ran a time that qualified me to do that and get a full scholarship, I literally, I, gave up my job my fiance at the time well yeah my fiance at the time now my wife she gave up her job and we both packed up two suitcases and just shipped off to america <laughs> nice yeah fantastic so I've, I've, yeah basically done you know I've, I've, running is really sort of dictated a lot of my chess moves in life but i feel that i wouldn't be as strong-minded and as successful in my business now if it wasn't for the lessons that I learned in running, you know, the hard work, the dedication, the sacrifices, the days where you just can't be bothered going out a run or it's pulling the rain and you still need to put your shoes on and go out and get the miles done because you know that that day could be the day that, you know, wins you a medal or gets your personal best because you're you're going out and you're, you're getting that daily grind done. And, and what was that like then? You talk about, you know, the sacrifices and, and the work to get where you need to be. What was that like then? You know, a guy from Glasgow and his fiance up in sticks and arriving in, you know, Adam State University, Colorado, Central America. I mean, what, what was that like? That must have been, you know, from a training perspective, I guess you, well, you can tell us, I guess that was a, must have been an incredible experience. But in terms of, as, from a, a personal life as well, just to arrive there and, I mean, it'd be in a very different world. Oh, Alan Moss is an absolutely different world. If you, if if you could think of like a Clint Eastwood movie and the tumbleweeds yes. rolling across the sort of the hillbilly town of some you know place out in the sticks nowhere, and there's three thousand people in the whole town. Wow. It was. It was des- it was deserted. It, Literally, the reason why the guys are 
most of the guys are that good at Adam State is because you can go out and club and party and you know go to fancy shopping malls and things like that. All that stuff is like four hours away, like in north, east, west, and south direction. It was in the middle of nowhere. Um, all you all you done was go to college and trained, and that was it. At seven seven and a half thousand feet. Oh wow, training at that level. And what was the what was the training like out there? Because you hear a lot of stories about it being a different level when you get to the sort of NCAA um, college system. Yeah. So my my God's honest opinion of what I was doing at Adam State, it reminded me of high school training back in back at secondary school where it was a lot of short repetitions, you know, 300s and 400s and 500s. And the longest rep that I ever done on the track was a kilometre. Wow. And for me, that that wasn't the way I was best to be trained. I, I like to actually go, you know, 800s, Ks, 1200s, miles, 2Ks, mm-hmm. and then big tempos and all that, the, the sort of a little bit slower but for a lot longer. The coach there didn't have the bel- didn't believe that we had to go longer at altitude because you couldn't run as fast. And I said to him, I said, I don't disagree with you. Like you're absolutely right, like that is fact. Like we're up seven and a half thousand feet. You can't run, you know, a seven mile tempo or six mile tempo at, you know, sub five minute mile pace when, you know, you're up at seven and a half thousand feet at the, the level I was at. Like that is going to be god awfully hard and I said I absolutely understand that the same with kilometre reps and mile reps he said you know you're not going to be able to run fast enough but I said it's not about how fast you run it's about keeping your heart rate in that zone for that period of time mm-hmm. and then if we do want to get fast we can tag on some like eight two hundreds or five two hundreds on the end so a lot of people know me as slightly being uncoachable and people laugh just now, like that are listening to this and know, like he's definitely unco- almost uncoachable. But over there, I get warned before I left down in Teddington. A lot, a lot of athletes said to me, "Sean, you're going to need to play ball with a coach, and if not, it's going to be really, really hard for you." But when I was on the phone and I was skyping the coach, you know, they tell you what you want to hear. You know, mm. oh yeah, we're a big, you know, strength is our our background and. You know, you're going to love it here. You're doing exactly what we're doing over here. So you just, you're just, you're nodding your head and going, yes, 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 this is amazing. And almost to sell you into the, sort of buy you into the programme, you then actually get to see what it's actually about. If I, maybe if I, this is probably a thing for people who are looking to go to America, I would ask the coach for their training program mm. over like the last you know they, uh, they keep those things so I would say you know ask for the the track season training for a 10k or a 5k or a 1500 guy or whatever you are and then also the winter season and just seeing how that matches up to your training if I knew and saw and I wish I asked what type of training you do, I would have not went to Adam State University 
It was uh, very much short reps with short recovery, uh, running faster than a lot faster than race pace. So I was built. I was just building a lot of lactic acid all the time, and that was on a Tuesday. On a th- on a Friday, we'd do the long tempo, but my legs would be absolutely shot from running so quick on the Tuesday that I couldn't actually get my heart rate or the, mm. the pace for tempo quite right on the Friday. And then you would run you'd run long on the Sunday, so it'd be Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. And I still stick to that routine just now, but more towards the specifics of my physiology mm-hmm. to get me, you know, back to... Because, you know, I, I ran really, really poorly in America. And... The coach was telling me I was running poorly because I don't believe in the programme. And I, I turned around and went, look, mate, when you're 5K into a race and the wheels are fell off the bus and you're digging and digging and digging, like, that's not belief. Like, that is literally mm. fitness is not there. Yeah. And you, you're, you're, you can, I said, I can believe all I want, but you cannot will a mitochondria. If you've not trained it properly, it will have its limits. Mm-hmm. And... You know, so we, we, we clashed, but again, it's, it's very, it, the American system is very much like believe, believe in our product, believe in our, our system, our program. Um, and for me personally, it just wasn't the, the sort of match made in heaven. It wasn't the fairy tale ending I was looking for. So, but again, that's, that's, that was my case. I don't ever say to people, don't go out and try it because there's other kids like, uh, Adam Craig had a great experience at Mount Olive. Chris O'Hare, Josh Kerr, Neil Gurley. You know, that's just uh, ringing them off the top of my head. You've got those guys that are now, you know, the, the great, great athletes that I admire. Mm. So then you've also got people like myself, Luke, Luke Trainer, Callum Hawkins, guys that didn't quite get it right and didn't quite get the sort of... the the expectations we are looking for from the American program, but we don't really hear too much about that. And I think people need to be aware, you know, of the both both sides of the coin so that, you know, because I was a bit brainwashed, all I thought all I thought about was the good, the good athletes that went away to America. Mm-hmm. I never actually sort of took note of some athletes that maybe never quite made it the way they wanted to over in the United States. Mm-hmm. But again, the people that I met over there, it was incredible. You know, they, they took me in for Thanksgiving. They, they bought me and my wife presents for Christmas. You know, so, some of the most kindest, amazing. Look, a, a family gave us a car for half a year wow. to roll around in when we were in the winter time because we couldn't. I couldn't afford a car on the, the stipend. I couldn't. But me, me and my wife had to in negative like thirty degree weather. We cycled our bikes to Walmart or the, the grocery store that was a mile and a half away, put the groceries on our handlebars and cycle back home. And sometimes it was so cold that I couldn't even press the brakes that I skidded onto the main road. The shopping bags went everywhere. Oh, and I almost got hurt with cars. And people think that, you know, America is this glamorous, amazing, you know, idealistic place. And I was, I was in a living nightmare, like always on the breadline. But again, that's probably because of my situation was a little bit different as well. Out there with a fiance, um, you know, I didn't just sort of crash in like one of the athletes' rooms or anything like that. So things were, things were different. You know, I, I, I couldn't room with an athlete that maybe had a car. 
we were just out with our own friend and for ourselves and you know a, a couple were absolutely amazingly loving to go here you go guys like here's a here's a car to roll around in until you know the good weather comes in but yeah we were we were cycling in bikes and you know walk, when we didn't have bikes we were walking a mile and a half with the groceries and you know gallons of milk gallons of water your chicken your meat like you know, till our hands were like black and blue from the, the cuts of the, the bags. And again, that's another thing where running has disciplined me to be like, well, this is what you wanted. So, mm. you know, let's, you know, we need to make the most of this. That's, uh, yeah, I've got to say, that's the, that's the side of, the, of these US uh, college training experiences you don't hear about. But I think your point about, about, coat, about the importance of checking the, or understanding what, program you go into is really important actually i'm glad you raised that and hopefully that you know maybe some of scottish athletes can look at supporting young youngsters who are going out that although it is usually and is a good life experience as you say you need to be sure that the the um the program works for for the individual but i guess it's you know as much as it was a rough couple of years you're out there it's in the long term doesn't seem to have done you so much harm because you're looking through 2018 when you're coming back i mean we're seeing you Right, right at the front again uh, of of races across Scotland and and through last year in Britain. I mean, is that do you feel the five and the ten k really starting to come back together again? Yeah, uh, I think it's because I'm really enjoying life. I, I feel like I've. I think I think a lot of athletes maybe don't think about how their life situation is as well as their running. I think when life is going really well and you're enjoying what you're doing outside of running and you're happy, I really feel that that makes a massive impact on an athlete running fast. You know, so I was like, you know, how just think about how stressful that situation was for me mm-hmm. and how grim and sad and stressed and I was over mistakes and thinking, you know what, this isn't, you know, this wasn't the, the dream thing that I was thinking about this this hasn't lived up to expectations you know and the exams and the the poor training and the uh, sorry the poor racing was you know all getting on top of me and making me not enjoy life whereas I came back here I'm back with my new my my old coach Jeff Watkins um he coaches me online because he's from Nyla White and he 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 understands me really really well like he knows that I'm a slight control freak when it when it comes to running because it's kind of you know I'm trying if I put my my whole self to somebody and it doesn't quite work out that that's a scary thought for me that somebody else is in control of your destiny Mm -hmm. so I like to have just a slight bit of control of maybe asking you know like can we do longer reps this week or shorter reps this week? You know, we'll get the 5K coming. So not to say that I plan the training, it's just to have a little bit of input. And, and Jeff isn't one of those guys that, you know, say, oh, it's my way or the highway, or you can, you know, you can go and do one, Sean, if you don't want to listen to me. He's kind of, he believes coaching is a two-way process. He does believe that the athlete does know their body really well and that they can have an input into their training and understand that is the athlete also learning like what works for them and what doesn't mm-hmm. um, and that's something that like mine and Jess relationship is just 
really good that way. And he also he's very, very patient with me in terms of, you know, like I'm working sometimes till eight, nine, ten o'clock at night and we'll have, we'll, we'll have a quick phone call at maybe quarter past ten at night before he pops off to bed. And, you know, we discuss the session, you know, I say, right, perfect, sounds good. And then I go away and do it. And he, you know, for, he, he doesn't mind that I'm not a full-time athlete. He has a lot of patience to, you know, maybe stay up an, an extra 15, 20 minutes before he heads off to bed to talk to me, just to make sure that I understand what the demands of the session are tomorrow. And, yeah, I feel, you know, also with the work, personal training, I'm not really a, I'm not really a sort of school guy. I, I didn't get good grades at school. I always, you know, I, my background is, you know, coming up from Drumchapel, moving to Mary Hill. Dogging school was more cooler than actually going to school. So <laughs> I still had that kind of mentality when I went to the Glasgow School of Sport. I wouldn't go to class, but I'd go to training. So I, I was quite bad bait. So I'm, I'm not really a scholar type of guy. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know, going to the United States and the, the scholarship and the academic side would help again. I'm a little, I was a little bit older, a little bit more mature. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna study. I'm gonna get my degree. And you know, I disciplined myself to do that. But it was only because I was older and I was understanding that you know what, like actually having a having an education is actually pretty important to be successful in my own my own business. Mm-hmm. So I feel life is a lot better. And, I, and when I'm happier in life, running is definitely, it's, it, it just it skyrockets. I think when athletes are sad in, in life, I think that also affects their, their running a little bit. You see that the, maybe their performance slips. You know, it's like, I, I mean, I don't want to send you anything, but the reason Andrew Butchart moved back from America, back to the UK, mm-hmm. and look at him now. Yeah. Jeez Louise, 1306. Yep. Fair point. Oh my goodness. Like, again, thinking that America was this dreamy, lovely, amazing place, which in some parts it is, it is amazing, but again, it might not be the right environment yeah. for the athlete to thrive. Comes back to the UK and he's absolutely crushing it. So it's just, it's the right environment to have the, the right mindset and also combining that with your running. I think when you're you're happy in every fa- sort of facet of your life, mm-hmm. I think your running can really sort of flourish. And I think that's what a lot, a lot of runners who are maybe really, really OCD with times and running and training and miles and their Garmin and all this sort of stuff. I'm that as well when I'm training, but when I'm not training, it's like I switch off and I go to work and I, you know, I've got, I've got a little cat called Simba that I play around with and I've got my wife who I talk to and who annoys me and winds me up and I wind her up and... You know, it's, it's just like having a good balance. Mm-hmm. I feel it's, it's helped create this, you know, better version of me being able to, you know, sort of claw my way back up the, the Scottish rankings. I think that's a, that's, a, yeah, that's a really important point about happiness. And, you know, you can say, you know, obviously you had your wife out there. I guess, you know, the, the coaching team may not have provided the right support and training environment for you. Jeff clearly does. How did you meet Jeff out of interest? Where's that relationship from? That was uh, going to an indoor meet. The the UK the UK three thousand meter champs indoors back in twenty fifteen. Because always always the reason I always remember that is because twenty fifteen, as you could probably tell from the, the power of ten, was my 
the sort of glory year that's kept me in the sport for a wee while to say I've got unfinished business. Um, it was the, the 3K champs in 2015 and I was uh, driving up to Birmingham with one of one of the boys that Jeff coached, uh, Adam Clark. I think he just he just ran a personal best, and I think he ran three thirty eight at the weekend just there. Right. So he's going really well. Um, so we're, we're sitting in the car, and Jeff was asking, you know, you know, what training do I do, and how many miles do I run? And both him and Clarky were just laughing because I was saying, you know, I do like eight by a mile off a minute. I do a seven to a ten mile tempo and then I'll try and run about twenty miles on a Sunday. And the both of them are laughing because Clarky knows that I'm an ab- I was a back then I'm an absolute head case for mileage. And he's like, Jeff, he doesn't taper, he's scared of tapering in case he puts on weight, in case he gets he thinks he's gonna get unfit. And he's like, You're running hundred and twenty miles a week to run a three K I said, like, yeah, yeah, but you know, I want to, I want to run the ten k outdoors, and you know, this wasn't my big, my big goal. And he's, he's going, Sean, this is a UK championship, so you need to respect this distance. And then it was just a little. He said, look, how about I give you a few, a few, you know, pointers for sessions that will help you towards the five k outdoors. I was like, yeah, no worries. You know, I was, I was open to, I was open to people. You know, I love people giving me input. I'm almost a person that's like. When you're when you're talking to me and you're giving me information, the stuff that I sense is good, I keep it, and the stuff that maybe I sense isn't so good, I'll bin it. So I was like, you know, any information is better than no information. So I decided to, you know, start emailing Jeff, you know, and then I, I I'd say, oh, I've done the session, Jeff. These are my times. He's like, all oh, right, okay, right. So what I want you to do is tomorrow, I just want you to run easy. I don't want you to do a 15 mile run on you know, the, the day after the session, I just want you to do two five mile runs and then maybe what you could do is a split tempo on this day. And he, he's literally, he was slowly starting to coach me without without me knowing. And from there, I, I went to Fontenot and I actually I trained the book chart in Fontenot nice. in 2015. And Jeff came out and he's watching my training. He set me on my training sessions and then I flew back, went to Highgate and ran 29.16 and my, that was my second ever 10k and my first 10k was Highgate beforehand a year before and I ran 30.08 so I was kind of thinking I think the 10k might be my distance so that's why I just thought Do you know what I'm going to go I'm going to go all in in the 10k um, sadly it didn't go my way in America but now I'm slowly starting to get to get back into the swing of things so Jeff, obviously, you. I find it really interesting the way you talk. You know, talking about how you you're clearly someone who knows who's got a good handle on what on, on running training and you know what training is you know is, is right and how to train, how to how to prepare. But you're, it sounds like you're open enough to open minded enough to listen to to expertise. To move on to sort of more recently, you've moved. You're moving up. The news, fantastic news that you've been selected for the Scottish Marathon Project. How is that going in terms of your training and working with Jeff for? Someone who, without any disrespect, you've gone, you've done one half in the last what four or five years. So how are you finding that transition into a marathon? Is that is that complete unknown, and are you having to just trust the, the process and trust Jeff, or are you is something you're you're relishing knowing the the longer distance that you seem to have thrived upon in training? Yeah, so a lot of people have 
the way the way my mentality is, you know, the, the sort of loving the miles, loving training hard, loving working really hard and suffering in training. Like I take, I, like I relish that. Everybody that I've met has always said, Sean, I think you should do a marathon. Sean, I think you should do a marathon. Mark Pollard said to me, you know, years and years ago, Sean, I think you're going to be a great marathon runner. Jeff, uh, after a couple of VO2 max tests on the, uh, in, in the lab, he was like, Sean, you've got great numbers for the marathon. <laughs> and I'm going, I don't want to be a marathon runner. I want to run the, I want to run the 10K. I want to run the 10K. I've got unfinished business for the 10K. I want to run the 10K. And it was just out in Fort Remote there. Robert Hawkins sent a, an email out just saying, you know, you've, with your, your half marathon time, you've qualified for the marathon project. And this is a build up towards the marathon at the 2022 Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Would you be interested in, you know, being on the programme? And, you know, you just need to sign some forms and you get a, a small um, lump sum of money to go towards physio, massage, and uh, going away to training camps and racing. And, you know, email Jeff, give him a wee phone, and he's just going, Sean, you're going to run a marathon eventually. You may as well, you know, go into this project, have a little bit more sort of guidance with Robert Hawkins, with Mark Pollard. You know, Callum, like, I mean, who can't learn from Callum Hawkins? I can't wait to sort of pick Robert's brain on, you know, what does Callum do? I hope, you know, Jeff and Robert can both can, can collaborate with each other to help, you know, get me to the, you know, the best possible level in the marathon. Um, I think that would be, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Uh, in terms of the training, the training's been hard. Like, my legs are every day. Like, I thought I thought training for the 10K was quite tough. And it is, uh, uh, like, every, every, every event's tough in its own event, in its own right. But man, oh man, <laughs> sometimes I am dragging my legs on a, even on a session where I feel like, you know, back when I was running the 10K and the 5K, the mileage between the mileage stays between your sessions would be a little bit lower, so your your legs would be a little bit fresher to run faster. Yeah. Whereas in the marathon, it's just learning how to suffer on tired legs a, a little bit. You know, understanding mm-hmm. that you know maybe about seven, eight miles to go in the marathon, maybe six. You 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 your legs are going to feel like this, and you need to then be able to still be able to perform yeah. those last six miles um, very very well. So. I mean, I thought I was training hard before. This is this is more like sort of, it's like a, it's like having your hand over a flame, like a candle. It's like a slow burning suffering. It's like it's not Sunday like like a firework, you know, quick pain and then you get recovery. Quick pain, you get recovery. This is just a slow, steady suffering, and it's it to me. I love it. But there's just some days where I'm just, oh my God, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep this, you know, this next 110 or 105 mile week going for an, another three weeks before I, I get to my down week. It's the very first time ever in my life where I've actually looked forward to seeing week four and seeing down week and not having like a, a 22 mile or a 20 mile run on a Sunday and a 10 mile tempo on a, a Friday and you know, 12 by a thousand metres on a Tuesday, I'm just like, oh, thank goodness, I've got a down week. My legs need it. 
Um, but like I was saying about the, the long runs, there was a there was a run about two weeks ago. Well, I went out and done my first fasted twenty mile run, and well, that was that ended horribly. <laughs> um, went out and a cup of coffee, done twenty miles during the the twenty miles. I thought, wow, this is amazing. I'm actually I'm I'm actually coping this really really well. Ran twenty miles in two hours. Thought that's the fastest I've ran twenty miles in I think three or four years. I'm in really good shape, you know. Get in, shower. I had work. I had work about. I usually I'm really bad at leaving things to the last minute. I always like sort of. I'm bang on. I'm never early for stuff. I'm always bang on time because I'm always rushing around like mad. So I go for my shower. Had a really small smoothie because I still didn't feel hungry because the blood I guess was still in my extremities and not in my my tummy. Went to work. Worked for five hours straight, back to back clients, and had a hypoglycemic attack after my my last client. I was a uh, I was in a little shivering state of you know trauma. Uh, I thought I was coming down with a flu, but it was literally I, I shuffled back home, you know, get into the sheets, into the covers, try to keep myself back up while I'm, my my jaw is rattling off at the top of my teeth. I've got pins and needles in my hands, and then my wife comes in from I think she's getting her nails done or something like that. She comes in. I was supposed to go and see the Lion King that night, and I'm in bed with a hoodie on and a, a house coat, going, "Babe, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm up for the Lion King tonight." And she had to feed me scrambled egg and toast while I was in bed, trying to keep my keep my body up. So that that sums up marathon training for you right there. So <laughs> when, I'm suffering, yeah. when I'm suffering, and or I run really fast in Valencia on the first of December or for my first marathon, and people are like. Oh, that's amazing! You must be so talented. Or extra, I'm gonna go. No, it was pure suffering. Like people don't under. I think when people even see the Tour de France and they think it's really cool, the flashy oh. bikes, the flashy kit, the flashy helmets, the old cliches, and they think, oh man, that's so cool. And then actually living a day in the life of a Tour de France cyclist, like oh my goodness, I would not like to have oh. their legs. Oh, brutal. Waking up the next morning. Absolutely it's brutal. It's just that, yeah, the suffering is, it's real, you know, to get those, like, that's why I think, you know, like somebody like Callum Hawkins, to run that time, now I am, I am, like, I'm just like, that's incredible. that guy must have had to go through some really hard days, like really dark days where he did not want to do a session that his dad set him. Yeah. It went out there and get it done because the end was it's like not be sometimes when you're training really hard you don't really like it at the time because you're you are putting your body through like a lot of pain and suffering but you've got to be addicted to the results that it gives you and that's what keeps you going you're addicted to the results of the end product of the process that's I like I like the fact that you've highlighted that because that is you're absolutely right that's what it's all about is is it's it's that goal and okay you're talking about Valencia in the year. Um, you've got, I mean, loads of time in front of you. I can't wait to see what you run. Um, you've talked about, you've mentioned some numbers there. So give us a give us a flavour of what is a, a typical Sean Fontana week at the moment. I guess you're probably what 16, 18 weeks out. You must be pretty much um, b- building a solid base now, or are you starting to really get into the meat of the of the marathon schedule yet? Um, 
Jeff wants me to go about 13 weeks out from the marathon um, as a, a sort of proper marathon camp. So it's okay. kind of, we're doing like a sort of pre-camp before the camp. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just now, just kind of touching, touching the energy, energy systems, touching bases with what we'll be looking to achieve. So he's sent me, you know, big, big volume session days, um, sometimes on a Tuesday and a Friday. Uh, with the session and a, a, a running uh, double at night, I'm up at uh, 20 miles on the, the Tuesday to Friday and then 20 miles on the, the Saturday, uh, sorry, the Sunday for the long run. Oof, wow. And then in between, in, yeah, in between that, then um, there'll be days where you know, I'll run anywhere between 12 and 15 miles as a recovery day. So it might be like an 8 and a 4, a 10 and a 5, um, a six and a six, just depending on how my legs are feeling that day and mm-hmm. my sort of my work schedule as well. So, just a typical week for me looks around about 105 to 110 miles a week, okay. and that consists with uh, the Tuesday and the Friday definitely being anywhere between 16 and 20 miles in one day, mm-hmm. um, and that might be, you know, in a a session day it could be a three mile warm up. Three times two k, three times one k, six times four hundred, all off of a minute recovery. You know, a minute between each one. Um, not getting any like sort of set breaks or anything. It's just a, it's just a rolling continuous um, session, and then a three mile cool down. That'll probably take me to around, you know, 12, 11, 12 miles, and then I'll go sometimes a, a five or a six mile run at night. Uh, after my after work or between uh, on my on my break between clients, so and then on a Friday that'll be a, a tempo day, and that'll be anywhere from sort of like a ten mile progression run to say a split tempo of like four times two miles of two minutes recovery. So again, three miles at the start, three miles at the end, ten miles in the middle. That's sixteen, and then I'll go maybe a four or a five mile double again on the, the Friday night, um, Saturday, recovery, Sunday, long run, Monday, Wednesday and Thursday are all my sort of super, super easy days. And I'm posting, I'm also posting all my training up on Strava as well to I show see. people, like, I think a lot of athletes hide their training because they're scared to show what they're doing. But I want to show people, like, who are maybe stuck or maybe just need a little bit of guidance, I want to show them that you know, hopefully, like I've I've ran I've ran decently quick over the ten k, and finally getting back into good form. I'm also going to run the ten uh, k road race Scottish Championships. Oh, stunning! Dash ten k, cool. And the Scottish half marathon. Excellent. And I'm going to show people that when I when I run fast, that there's still like really 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 easy days in there, but it, I'm not scared to run like seven twenty mile pace for you know an eight mile run. I think that's uh, that is really that is a really important thing. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast, Kyle and I, and our you know t- Kyle's a Kyle's a two twenty five guy. I'm a two thirty guy. You know, not nowhere near your level. We're we're trying to trying to run uh, and, and run, keep our easy runs slow because we see guys like you know Robbie Simpson up here uh, doing easy runs, and it's you know you're right. It's all about that recovery, making sure that you're ready to go for your sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. How I, how I can explain it to uh, my, my, my online running clients is think about, you know, a brick wall and 
the bricks being the main sessions. They are the fundamental, like they are the, the bricks for the wall, but the easy running is the cement. And if you don't easy run, then that, that, the quality of that cement isn't going to be good enough to hold the next brick. I love it. <laughs> so you, you, you need to make sure that you get those easy runs in so that you can keep building that wall. And once you've got a really strong, solid wall foundation, filled with hard running and easy running, you're going to have such a strong, strong wall that you're, you're it's gonna it's, it's it's gonna take a lot to knock it down, and that's where I feel you know one one guy that I'm really like I really admire, and I used to train with is Andy Vernon down in London, mm-hmm. and I'm not joking you know he would run so he's run twenty seven forty two I think twenty seven forty two twenty seven forty for ten k. Now that is, I don't even know what that is for 400 metre splits, but it's bloody fast. You know, his mile pace must be like down in the four, like 430 something, maybe 420 high for 6.25 miles. Now that is unbelievable. But see during, like see when I went out easy running with him, we're running like 720, 715, 705. And I'm like, why is he going so slow? And he's like, Sean, I've just, ra- I just, you know, on the Tuesday or the, the Thursday or whenever he trains, just like, I just ran a session so hard, I need to recover and replace my glycogen stores to then be able to hit it hard again in, you know, a couple of days' time. And uh, I was speaking to uh, a runner tonight and I was talking about, you know, getting into the sort of your reserves if your glycogen is low, getting into your glycogen reserves. And I just I explained, and it was it was just it came off the top of my head, and I kind of explained it like, see when you're you're driving your car and you're driving it into the, the sort of the empty, and it's in the reserve tank, and it's and people go, oh you don't want to put it there because it brings up all the dirt and all the crap from the, the petrol tank, all the residue, you don't want to be in there, you want to make sure that you're keeping your tank you know quite full, because that keeps the engine running well. I'm like that is what easy running is trying to do, is stopping you from bringing up the crap being, and that's called cortisol, the stress hormone, is trying to keep that low, so then you can be more anabolic instead of catabolic, and build on your previous session, so you're, you're good to go for your next session, and then that's also where you, you, you don't get injured either, because you're, you're not as fatigued, and you're not as stressed uh, physically and uh, psychologically. Mm. Yeah, I like that, that's a good analogy for that. And it's and it's it's so as you say it's so important and, and hopefully a lot of listeners will get who are who aren't we we know a lot of our listeners are marathon training particularly now we're heading towards the autumn season that that that's some, some great advice. So Valencia, uh, Scottish Marathon Project, are you uh, have you got a, have you got a target in mind? I mean, you uh, I guess you you got to be looking at something quick. <laughs> um, I had to ask. Surely, surely, when we see that your your boys like Craig running that on the two twenty do, surely it's got to be under there. Yeah, I I, I don't know. What the, I don't. Is the, is the Commonwealth Games team being released yet, or is it still sort of up in the air just now? I don't think it has. I don't not the Birmingham one that I'm aware of. Yeah, like I would. I mean, I mean, sub two twenty. I would. 
I'd be over the moon for that. Um, I think you should. I, I, told, I think you should run. I honestly I think you should Roig, run that. Was I told Mark Roig, the the, the director guy that he deals with the elite startless at Valencia because it was completely full. So I, I kind of lied to him and said I was I was going to go for two fifteen <laughs> just just to get in the race. Um, but on anywhere, I think anywhere between from a first one, I would I would love like Craig Craig Ruddy's time of. He ran two eighteen at Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would love to get close to that. If I could get under that, I would be. That would be a great sort of debut for me. But again, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna go hard and let the chips fall to me. Um, like I'm kind of in that position. I've, I've kind of sort of tried to wire my brain a little bit differently um, from what it used to be. You know, me. Like running was the most important thing in the world and if I didn't do well, you know, life was rubbish and I was a failure and my identity was all wrapped up in my run. But now I feel like I've got a really healthy mindset of I can talk to myself like internally and be like, look, all you can do is all you can give on December the 1st at 10am or whatever competition it is, everything that you've got in your body at that moment in time and that's that. Yeah, and whatever that is, that is. As long as you can rinse that towel out and get everything from it, then that that that's all you can. Like, as, as clean athletes, like we can only do what we can. Literally, what we can do. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. But that's just you know that's just the nature of the, the beast. That's sport, um, yeah. especially the marathon. The longer the distance, the more stuff can go wrong. Yeah, I mean, and when and the thing about the marathon is when it does go wrong, it does go wrong. I mean, I, I have a good marathon, bad marathons, and um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what you run. It's going to be exciting. It's really exciting. So, Valencia this year. What's the what's the plan then for Sean? Have you got? Uh, are you thinking about a marathon spring autumn next year, or, is it, or are you going to wait and see how this one goes? Because surely on the project, the intention will be now to kind of commit to the marathon for the next two three years. Yeah, I. I would love to, a perfect world would be smashing out of Valencia and getting in the, the two, two other teens mark mm-hmm. and then racing at the Olympic trials at London. Oh yes, yes I like it. That's, that's I would love to go in there and ruffle a few feathers and see where I could go there because I'm one of those sort of guys that I'm kind of like an ankle biter where <laughs> If I stick to you, I'm going to stick to you like glue and I'm just going to hold on for dear bloody life. And it's basically who can suffer the most. Um, and I'm always trying to make sure that I'm the one that can suffer the most. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the Olympic trials, there would be no better, there would be no better feeling to sort of really perform well at that. But I still, I, I love the 10K and I've got unfinished business with the 10K and I want to, I want to break the 29 minute barrier for the 10K as well. Cool. And I, I really love um, what's gave me amazing confidence going into the marathon is Steph 12. Ah, How yes. Amazing she's competed. Incredible. When, when I was at Highgate and I ran really well at Highgate and then standing at the, the sideline and watching her dominate the 10K was unbelievable. Like, I, that, like that was amazing. I've, and I, Laura Muir, unbelievable. Like, I've not got many 
athletes who are female that really sort of I don't, and I, it's not in a, it's not in a sexist way or anything. It's just I've never really sort of been inspired by many female athletes. It's always been male athletes. I don't know if it's just like male athletes are inspired by male athletes and females by females. Mm-hmm. You know? But um, of me like sort of admiring Prefontaine and you know Mo Farah and you know, Andy Butchart, Chris O'Hare. Those two ladies, Steph 12, what she done at the 10K at Highgate was unbelievable. And that was from, you know, the strength of the marathon build. Yeah. In Valencia, I mean, that was that must be an inspiration for you alone, going to Valencia to see that last year a Scottish, you know, Scottish female goes and absolutely smashes. I mean, 230 or something, I mean, incredible. Yeah. So did Steph 12 also win her first marathon in Valencia? Yes. Yeah, she debuted last December, yeah. And, and, uh, I think she's a, they've, they've since increased the Olympic qualifying time. It's two twenty nine thirty. So I understand she's. I heard she's running Berlin this year, which is quite cool. So really exciting to see how she goes. But you're right; it's a great example of marathon strength and taking it onto the 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 ten k um, in the sort of in the period afterwards and doing it. So that's another option for you next year. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's that, that's the thing when when you're running well. And you're training well. I think you you look at races as opportunities, and you know the you, you did mention that I've, I've only ran one half in four or five years, but see when I done that half marathon in Scotland, the great the great Scottish run, mm-hmm. I'm a, it was it was amazing. Like I actually loved running on the roads. It it brought back a a great like sort of love. For the split, there's a different atmosphere from track running to road running. Yeah. And like I, I really, it, it, it's, it, I think that's what also made me want to commit to this program was because of the, the sort of joy I felt, I felt when I, I was running around the streets of Glasgow. I was like, this is actually amazing. Like I, I can't wait to do this again next year. It's a fantastic event. I mean, actually, I ran that as well last year because you were. And I say I'm I'm pulling your leg a bit when I say, you know I'm saying oh you've only run one half. It's an incredible half you've run. You're and I'm sixty six minutes and I can only imagine you're only going to go quicker this year. Um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic for a Glasgow lad like yourself. That must be amazing just running around the streets of that with all the all the crowds out and coming down the Clyde at the end. Yeah, it was it, it was it was it was a really it was a really windy day. The the, the one last year. Yeah. And I felt like when we when the wind was supposed to be in our faces, we were actually quite sheltered for the first ten k. Yeah. And then we got on the, we got on the Paisley Road West, and the wind was at our back. Mm-hmm. And it, that was around the ten mile mark, and I can remember, you know, the the sort of the fatigue that I was feeling in my calves and my quads from the impact that the constant constant steps at race pace on the road. Mm-hmm. Up for t- to to ten miles, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm, I feel like I'm in a danger zone here. You know, just I don't know if my legs are going to be able to carry me just another five k. But that wind down down Paisley Road West at your back, just, it felt like it, it picked me up a little bit and gave me you know gave me a, a little bit of hope to run you know finish off the race. But it was it, I, I absolutely loved it. It was it's one of the it's one of the best road races I've ran. So that's that's why I'm, I put it in the program and on top of the before the 
the Valencia Marathon to, to run that and it's at the perfect time as well so yeah I'm, looking, I'm really looking forward to getting back there are you racing it as well? I'm not unfortunately so my, well, my wife who's, who's on the marathon project as well she's actually going out to run Berlin it's the same day so we're going to be in nice. Berlin, we're going to be in Berlin that day, so I'll be uh, I'll be stalking uh, yourself and a lot of my a lot of the uh, club mates at that to see how you're all going. Because I'm very envious. Because it is, you're right, it's a fantastic event. Yeah, well, that's that's brilliant. No, like you know, you you're going to Berlin and supporting supporting your misses on you know her her journey and her her goal to you know getting on the Commonwealth Games team. That's absolutely that's yeah. Absolutely. So it's cool. So it's uh, so yeah. So she uh, we'll see Berlin. She'll be a good one. I think as I say, Steph Twelve Links running as well, and there's a couple of other uh, folk from across Scotland going. So so looking forward to it. Um, and uh, yeah. So well. And so just before we kind of continue, we're all we're right up to the future for Sean. But one thing I want to touch on was the, the Highgate 10K because I watched it on the online, and you're. Uh, Fantastic run, mate! It was great to see a Scottish lad leading it, and you're—I've got—I mean, a metronomic because the splits are coming up live, and you deliver that like an absolute demon. And the last lap, I've hats off. I was—you were working the crowd. It was absolutely sensational. How was that? How was that then? How was that for one of your quickest ten k's in a long time? Oh, you know, I—I can't—I can't tell you how amazing it was to finally get back in the track and race and race for the win I am very process orientated very very process orientated but I absolutely love winning it is <laughs> nice. such an amazing feeling that's why I train so hard like, I'm not joking to leave second place in the dust is the best feeling like, it's incredible. I can't explain it. And me going down the home straight, trying to go into lane four to grab a beer off somebody. <laughs> you know, it was, it was. I can't, I can't explain it. Like I'm, I'm actually, you know, lost for words because before that, I had, you know, from and you probably see on the power attempt, I didn't race for like four, five, six months because. I was building my business, uh, my personal training business, and I was working seven days a week. Um, I was completely done in. I had uh, an abscess, a root canal infection Ooh. that came with antibiotics. The antibiotics then gave me tendonitis on my right Achilles and then tendonitis on my left Achilles because that's one of the side effects of antibiotics. So I went through a really rubbish, you know, hard sort of three, four months on the bike cycling and then it was the only hope the sort of later end of the tunnel was me going to Fort Remote with Adam, Adam Craig mm-hmm. and he sort of he pushed me every day you know, France was hard for me up at, up at altitude again it was really, really hard for me because it was my third or fourth week back running and you know Adam, he, he ran 13.45 at the 5k hour mile like he's He's in great shape, he's flying, and every single day he would just drag an extra 5 or 10% out of my body. Even when, if I was training on my own, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have quite felt as if I had it in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, such a great camp, you know, he gave me the belief, you know, training side by side with him, to go out there and really, you know, dominate 
the race that I was in, you know, a lot of people were asking, you know, oh, you know, you should be in a higher up race, you should be in this, you ran to it, and I'm like, look, I am not in that shape just now. I've kind of got to a point where I, I don't train, I don't train now where I want to be. I train where I'm at. I need to accept where I'm at so then I don't overtrain and then get injured again because a lot of people get wrapped up in, you know, if you're a, if you're a 14 minute guy for 5k and then you get injured for six weeks or eight weeks, that's 67 seconds a lap. You get caught up in how quick can I get back to 67 seconds a lap or mm-hmm. faster? And sometimes that can get you injured again. Whereas I was like, you know what? I, th- I think I'm actually in probably 29.45. I think I'm in 29.40, 29.45 shape. So I think that this race is getting set up to 29.50. It's absolutely spot on. You know, if if it means that I'm closer to the front and I'm challenging for a win, that's even more powerful. You know, it gives you it gives you something to really dig in and um, sort of you know pull through the other end and try and get that try and get that victory. And that was the thing. You know, the last lap looked amazing, but I think it was about six six laps to go, five laps to go. The little uh, Dutch guy in front in the front of me. Mm-hmm. He, he, he tried to, you know, I think it was about six or five or six laps ago, he, he tried to pick it up a wee bit. We, we slowed down to about 74 second laps, but then he brought it back up to 72s and 71s, and he was slowly winding it up. And again, the same way I was talking about the uh, 5K to go in the half marathon, because this was my first race in like six months, the, the fatigue of constantly hitting the ground at 4.48 mile pace was starting to really hurt my calves and my um, my my knees, like my actual my knee joints because of the, the impact. Um, that's why I opted to wear the, the vapor flies and not the like not a pair of spikes. Ah, okay. Because I, I didn't I didn't want my feet, my soleuses, my calves to be completely minced at the end. I wanted to still be able to, you know, my goal was to go in there, have a really positive race, but then bounce off of that and get right back into training towards a marathon. Mm-hmm. So that was why I opted for racers instead of spikes, and yeah, it was you know again like I, like I said when I'm there 400 to go, and I'm still at the front. I've I've hung on. I've I've dug deep. You know there was there was a point where I was thinking, do you know what I'm going to settle for second? This is getting too much, and then I let that demon go, and I'm like, no, I'm going to like just look at his feet, pick up his rhythm, just keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, think of France, four weeks in France, all that time, energy time off work, money, like that all has to, this means something, you need to keep, you need to keep in the fight, stay in the fight, and then it was 400 to go, and I just, from, I, I just fully believe, like I never used to be fast, but now I just fully believe in my kick, and when I, I, I kind of sort of looked across to the, the Dutch guy as I was uh, passing him at the, from 400 to 300, I kind of gave him a, a little look to see what his, what his facial features was like and I just thought he's done and I just thought you know what I'm gonna I'm literally I'm sticking the knife in and I'm just I'm going and that's it like I'm not looking back it's like as soon as as soon as I sense I'm gonna win like I just I, I don't even want to give anybody a hope in hell that they're gonna pass me again I just want to make it as like sort of clinical and decisive to sort of get that victory because it's like, it's like an animalistic instinct when you're you're at the front and you're chasing a winner you're chasing a gold medal mm-hmm. it's it's an amazing feeling that's uh it's excellent i think it's a great it was 
That was great to see a Scottish a Scottish lad as well, selfishly as a, as a Scottish Athletics fan, a Scottish lad to come out and, and win win a heat like that. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so great. Well, I'm, I'm very conscious of time. I don't want to take up too much of your, of your evening. So um, what before we finish off, what I'm going to do is we've run a feature fart like questions. So I'm going to rattle through a load of questions very quickly, and uh, and just give us your answers quick as you can. First thing that comes to mind. Right. Okay. Right. I'm nervous for this. I'm right. Nervous. Here we go. Right. Cross country, road, or track. Road. Pre-race meal. Scrambled eggs and toast. Favorite movie. Bad boys too. Favorite race. Nice. Rest day or recovery run? Recovery run. Glasgow City, Adam State or Inverclyde? Glasgow City. <laughs> You're gonna get pelters. Morning shuffle or, or morning shuffle or evening saunter? Morning shuffle. Running hero. Favourite distance? Thank you. Favourite Instagrammer? Nice. Post race treat. Pizza. Favorite shoe. Next percent. Nice. Worst race experience. Mike Sack, ten K in twenty seventeen. And what happened? I got sciatica down the, the right side of my leg and I couldn't pick my I couldn't pick my, my knee up on my right side and I was on for I get one of my fast I was on for about twenty nine twenty for ten K to come make a comeback and I ended up running thirty one minutes. Oh I ended up running like six sixteen minutes for the last five K because I didn't want to pull out. Oh disaster. Well, I think that that's a, that's that's a fair answer then. Uh, continuing on, dream run partner. Please Nice. Still here. <laughs> nice. I like that one as well. Favorite place to run. Fontenot. You can run one more race in your career. Which race would it be? No, nope. you know I could just do just any race. Any race, you can rerun a race. You can. You've got one opportunity to race again. Which race would it be? Oh, Highgate. Well, Highgate. Nice. Very good. Well, thank you, Sean. That was uh, that was that was good, and it's been great to be on the show. I could speak to you all night. It's uh, you've got a real infectious, infectious ability to talk about running. Real enthusiasm. Really inspirational stuff. And we're really excited to see how you go through the through the marathon training towards you know some of the races you mentioned the build up Leeds will be excited to see you there um, again at Glasgow and then and then in Valencia so uh, hopefully we'll look, we get we'll be able to get you back on the show maybe later in the year or the start of 2020 to hear how, how it all goes. 
Absolutely, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your, your time and you know having me on the podcast. I'm loving it. No problem. Well, thank you very much, and we'll uh, we'll speak to you soon, then, Sean. Cheers. All the best. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Thanks again for coming on, Sean. That was brilliant. We're, we're really chuffed to have you on and look forward to seeing how the rest of your season goes. Listeners, that's it. I'm afraid with these technical glitches, we've lost all that com- content. So that's it for week 67. Thank you for listening. If you would like to get in touch with us, you know the drill. TartanRunningShorts at gmail.com. On Facebook, we're at TartanRunningShorts. And on Twitter, we're at TartanShorts. So get in touch with your rants, get in touch with any emails or points of discussion you want to you want us to talk about or any races you want us to talk about uh, any interviews that you're looking for anything you fancy from the show get in touch so that's it have a good week and we'll speak to you next week